Great stuff. Everyone ready for the word of God? Amen. Great stuff. So, of course, we're talking about running our best race, and we're continuing to speak on this. I don't know how long this is going to go on, but again, as long as, as, long as, it, as long as it needs to, I guess. So we're now on part eight of running our best lap. Obviously, Wendy spoke the last two weeks um, on answering God's call, and that's so, so important to, to seek God for, for the calling upon our lives. We all have a calling. We're all, God has a, has a purpose and a desire for us, even at that stage where we were knit together in our mother's womb, as, as David talks about in Psalm 139. Even at that stage where we knit together in our mother's womb, God desires with purpose. No one is here, whatever the circumstances of how we came about, okay? um, you know, no one is here by accident. God has a plan for our life. God has a, has a purpose, has a purpose for, for our life and uh, things that God desires for us to do. Amen? And just because there's millions, billions of people over the planet, God doesn't get confused. He doesn't get mixed up. He knows us all intimately. He knows the very hairs on our head. And then the word of God says, amen? That's, that's incredible, isn't it? But that's what God can, God can do, and he does do. So we're all born with purpose. Let's all be seeking God's call for our lives and, and, and living that out. Amen? I want to just talk about a different aspect this morning. So we'll be looking, of course, a lot at Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us run, throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's run with perseverance. There's a race that's marked out for us. God has a purpose and a plan for us. Let, let's run that race. Is what Paul, uh, I can say Paul, we don't actually know who wrote Hebrews. It doesn't actually say, and it probably wasn't Paul, because he always said it was him in the books he wrote. So no one actually knows who wrote, wrote Hebrews. Okay? But it's definitely the word of God. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay? Um, so the writer of Hebrews said, was encouraging us to run that race with perseverance. Um, you know, the race marked out for us, let's, let's run that with perseverance, let's keep on going, let's find out what that race is, as, as Wendy's been talking about the last two weeks, find out what that race is, what that looks like for us, let's make sure we're seeking God, it's not just our own, uh, our own desires, our own thought processes about what it looks like, what we're seeking God about it, and it might, because sometimes God's opinion is what we need to do are very different to ours, right? That's just reality, isn't it? Um, and that's the, that's the nature of Christianity, isn't it? Living the Christian life is submit, submitting yourself to the will of God. So the things that hinder us, as the writer says here, the things that can hinder us, we need to throw those things off and, and sin that so easily entangles and holds, holds us back. The one I want to talk about this, this morning is about God stretching us. There's going to be a two, time's going quick anyway, but this is intended to be a two-parter. Um, so we'll continue with this um, next week um, within, within the still same series of running a best lap. Okay. So what I want to talk about this morning is about God stretching us. It's all about God stretching us to prepare us for our future. You know, stretching is not a bad thing. Now, sometimes when... when sorry? Unless you're Guy Fawkes. <laughs> that's what Wendy just said. That's, that's, a, that's a history joke, so we can all laugh along with that. <laughs> yes, he, he was... If you know about Guy Fawkes, Guido Fawkes, probably um, he was stretched and probably, probably wasn't even responsible, was it? It probably wasn't even him. He's framed for it all. But anyway, I thought we remember at Bonfire Night. But anyway, he was stretched and died. Or stretched or made to sign a confession. Anyway, that's what Wendy was talking about. <laughs> just, just explain a little history jokes. Uh, lol. Anyway. Uh, anyway, let's continue. So stretching is not a bad it's stretching is not a bad thing. Okay? But sometimes God will stretch us and, and will and we'll go through circumstances. I'm not talking about sickness here. It's really important to say that I'm not talking about sickness here. I don't believe God's ever the author of that. God will teach us things through it, that is true. But but I don't believe God's the author of sickness. I just don't to me, that's it. it's just not scriptural. There's no scripture that backs it up. 
um, you know, Jesus spent most of his life was dealing with sickness, right? And when some, when some people said to him, well, who, who sinned here? Why is, it, why is it this person has got sin? Or what, what's led to their sickness? Jesus was like, you're missing the point. You're misunderstanding here. It's just so the glory of God can be revealed in their healing. So anyway, Jesus dealt with that. Okay, so I'm not talking about sickness here. But sometimes we do go through circumstances that are, that are tough, right? Yeah. It's just, just me, okay? <laughs> only, it's only me. Okay, it's gone through anything. It's gone through anything. Sorry? Not just me. Awesome. Okay, but sometimes God does stretch us, and God allows us to go through things, and, 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 but God is stretching us to prepare us for our future. So kind of bring us into a, a running analogy, and I'm not saying I'm like some kind of Olympic athlete, but just to shock you there. That's going to be a tough one this morning. Um, but we have got a treadmill at home, and I go running like two, three times a week. That is true, isn't it? Do you verify that's true? Okay, I run six, six Ks two, three times a week. I've tried to look after myself now. I'm in my mid-40s, and I've lost, lost quite a bit of weight, actually. So there we go. Praise the Lord for that. Anyway, but one thing Wendy's always on at me about is about, about making sure I stretch first, because I'm terrible at doing that, or I just forget about it. Because it's really, really important when you go, when you go running, and obviously this is true if you're like... Certainly, I don't know what I'm doing, but if you're like running marathons and long distance stuff, it's really, really important. Or you're like an Olympic sprinter, that kind of stuff. They spend a lot of time in preparation. Preparation is key. They don't just someone like Usain Bolt. I know he's retired now, but someone like Usain Bolt, he doesn't just like let's get up in the morning right now. I'm going to like beat, uh, you know, beat the world record today, 100 meters and 200 meters. He holds both world records. He doesn't just get up in the morning and think, well, I'm just going to do that today. There's there's so much preparation that's gone into that, right? But in terms of his diet, in terms of, in terms of training, in, term, in terms of stretching, in terms of uh, looking after himself, and, and all that kind of stuff that goes, that goes into it. And, and God often stretches us. Now, I wanna, I'm going to talk about just natural stretching here, okay, but bring a spiritual uh, sense. This is, from a, this is from a medical website. It says, why you should stretch before a run, okay? There's this. Before asking muscles to suddenly increase their activity, such as going for a run, it's important to give them preparation time. When we're seated, as you all are, apart from me, um, when seated, many of our muscles contract or shorten because of the position that we're in. But during run, running, those muscles get stretched. If the shift from sitting to running is done too quickly, there's a big risk of injury. A pre-stretched muscle can handle and resist stress better, better than an unstretched one, but stretching would only help if you do it properly. And then, then it's got like some FAQs. Should you stretch every time before you run? Yes, is the answer. It says, so some sort of stretching is very important prior to running or any exercise for both injury prevention as well as to improve the quality of your workout. However, the generic term stretching includes different types of exercise. Ideally, your pre-warm-up should include some dynamic activity that replicates the motions of your workout. This allows the muscles to be slowly stretched in a controlled uh, controlled manner. Okay, so so it's talking about the the, the natural analogy of, of running and, and that we should stretch. Basically, you're, basically, the running will be better, will be more effective, you'll do it quicker, uh, you'll, be, you'll be fitter if you stretch first and warm up first, and, and secondly, you're less likely to get injured. Okay? You're less likely to pull a hamstring or you know, those kind of common injuries that you can get in sport and kind of, kind of stuff. So if you stretch in a natural sense, the running is easier and more, and more effective and you can go, go quicker, etc., and you're less likely to get injured. Even just warming your muscles up is important, especially in our country, <laughs> where it's often cold, then just warming your muscles up is important, isn't it? Because your muscles are much more effective once they've been um, warmed up. So sometimes, sometimes we will be stretched in life, okay? But, but stretching, just like this natural analogy, stretching is actually a good thing. And when you're going through a situation where you feel very stretched by God, it doesn't necessarily feel good at all. 
Okay? I think, God, what has happened to me? Woe is me. Going to a bit of like an Isaiah or Jeremiah, woe is me <laughs> type, type thought. God, why is all this happening to me? But God is stretching you for a purpose. It's stretching you for, for a reason. Now I can think about for my own life, I don't have time to how far we're going to get in the message today, but there's some examples of my own life, I can think of three in, in particular, huge ones, of just being massively, massively stretched. And when I look back on my, on, on my life, um, at the time it was not fun, <laughs> and it really wasn't, and I'm not just saying that, it really wasn't. Okay, but now I can look back and think, actually that was God stretching me uh, for, for a reason. That was God stretching me for a purpose. And when you look back at those things, it completely changes your perspective of those situations. Because you can look back at them and think, you know, again, woe is me. What, God, why did you allow that to happen? Why did you do that? But actually, we just need to allow God to us grow through those situations. Amen. And to be stretched. Because as, as you stretch and, and God grows you and, and you, you know, you're stretched for his purposes, or you learn more about yourself, you learn more about how God works, as, as a stretch, and it prepares you for your future. You're going to be able to run a better race in the future. Does that make sense? Okay? So this is why God allows us to be stretched. So if you're being stretched right now in your life, don't, don't, don't despise it. So we'll ask God the question, God, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying to do in me as, as, as I'm stretched? Lord, teach me stuff. Teach me more about you. Help me to rely on you. Amen? So I can think of some real examples. Come and grab me some water. There's none here. That's right. King David moment. Someone grabbed me a glass of water from somewhere. You don't have to run through any enemies to go and get it. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully not. Anyway, um, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Um, but I can think of some examples from my own life of being being stretched. There's one where my, my very first job that I had, which was it was in a bank. My first job out of university. Um, I worked in a bank um, in Lymington, and and we went through a really bizarre situation in there. Okay, but but God taught me some huge lessons about the power of being stretched and, and, and a huge lesson about learning responsibility. And to kind of, kind of cut a very long, long story short, thank you. Oh, squash. Even better. Wow. Didn't ask for squash. Wow, you can be one of the mighty men, as King David talked about, a mighty woman even, I'd say. Anyway, and I just went through a really bizarre situation and, and we didn't actually have many staff in the bank, but basically... Some of the staff are a little bit, <laughs> a little bit dodgy. I suppose is the best way of putting it. And in a space of a space of three months, kind of like I was going to say, all hell broke loose. That's not a term we use lightly, but kind of all hell broke loose um, in in the bank. Basically, one of and the basis there'd be some fraudulent stuff going on. There was someone stealing from people's accounts, uh, people who were dead, stealing from their accounts, um, and they ended up going to prison. I told you the name of the person. You could Google it and read about it. It's it's it's, it's in, it made the national papers. Um, and so that was the, that was all a bit crazy. Um, he'd be stealing money. There was another one of the, the the branch manager. She she was fired, and that wasn't even related to that. That was to do with something else that was going on. Some other kind of stuff she was signing off. They shouldn't be signing off. That was all a bit dubious. Um, so so she was fired. Then another one member of staff uh, they died, and then another the person who replaced the bank manager uh, she had a she had a heart attack. And this was all like literally within like three months. It was literally insane. And the guy who went to prison, his girlfriend worked, worked in the office. This was like major, majorly um, just awkward, the whole thing, because she maintained he was innocent through it all. So I knew for well he was guilty. I'd seen all the stuff, um, what he'd done. So it was, just, it was just an insane, insane time. And basically what it, what it led to is, is I was basically effectively running, running the place. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is like my first job. I'd been there two and a half, two and a half years but I was the, and I was the least experienced member of staff for two and a half years. I know two and a half years is quite a long time, but I was still the least experienced member of staff. Someone that had been there like 10, 15 years. 
and basically I was like running the place. Like, this, is, this is literally insane. How, how has it got to this point? So that's a great example of being, I was massively, massively stressed. I was like, I'm just going to have to like, just step up here because like, no one seems to want to help me and all these things are going disastrously wrong. And I'm just going to have to just, God, just rely on you to do this. I don't really know. I don't, do not know what I'm doing. That was the reality. But God, you're just going to help me. So looking back at that, I can see there's a great example of that where there's a monumental stretching took place. Not a stretching that I wanted or desired at the time, but it taught me huge amounts about responsibility, how to take responsibility for situations, how to, how to trust God uh, in those situations. And like you've just got to step up to the plate sometimes, haven't you? You've just got to do what you've got to do. And that's, that's a big part of the Christian life, isn't it? Just doing what you've got to do. And sometimes we don't want to, but you've got to do it. So that taught me huge things. We went through some other situations in 2004. Myself and Wendy, we, we, moved, to, we moved to Wales. Um, we're doing some stuff for God there um, with some family. Um, kind of didn't know everything worked out exactly as we thought it would. And um, we ended up coming back in 2007. And we kind of, it's a very long story short, but we kind of lost a lot of, lost a lot of stuff. Um, almost like had to start again. I don't mean a marriage would start again. I just mean kind of financially in a different, different ways. We had a house in Wales that wouldn't sell. It was kind of like just before the banking crash, like 2007, 2008, you know, when everything went crazy. Everything's still crazy now. <laughs> the banking system went crazy then. Um, there's a lot that's happened in the last 20 years. Anyway, and so we found ourselves in a really difficult situation. We were both jobless. We both always worked full time. We were suddenly both, neither of us working at all. We had zero income. It was just a very, very odd, a very, very odd situation. And, you know, I had to learn a whole load of stuff about faith, about, about trusting God. It was monumentally stretching, and I can't exaggerate or reiterate that enough, how monumentally stretching it was, and it wasn't pleasant in many ways, actually. And God just, just redeemed stuff over and over and over again. And Wendy got a job in a school where she still is. And um, I think Jack was only three, three months. That's crazy. All the stuff you have to go for interviews. And Jack had only been born like a couple of weeks before. No, he was going for school interviews. It was mad. Um, and I got a job in the church at, at that time as, as the finance manager and kind of different stuff. And I was business manager and got involved in leadership there. And loads of great stuff happened. But I believe that the key to it all was, was his time of stretching. And, and if just relying on God, it taught me so many lessons about faith, about, about trusting him. Even when everything's kind of gone to pot, then, then you can still trust God. Amen. In fact, that's ultimately what faith is, isn't it? Faith, faith is when you've got nothing else left. You can't, make a base, you can't base on any, um, any reality or circumstances. We had to make some huge decisions where, the, where Lisa was going to go to school and all kinds of stuff. And really wanted to live... Um, where we live now, and we kind of like made a list about all the stuff we wanted from a house, we had to get a lease from to school, and we didn't even know where we were going to live, and all that kind of stuff, and God just, just brought, just sorted it, it's just like day after day after day, it was like just brought stuff around, it was a, just an amazing uh, step of faith, I remember fasting every time, every time someone went to view our house in Wales, it was just, it just, it was just a crazy time, but anyway, God brought us out the other side, <laughs> praise, praise the Lord, but I learned a lot about faith. And a lot about how, how to trust him. So looking back at these big, big lessons, another, another one, third one was basically becoming the pastor here, or us becoming pastors here, which was 11 years ago. And, and Pastor Andy asked us, and we weren't expecting it. We didn't know it was going to happen. I mean, obviously, there had been some sort of kind of conversations in the background, but it still was unexpected. And we're like, well, God, what are you, what are you saying here? <laughs> what, are you, what are you wanting us to do here? And, and to be quite honest, we felt very, very stretched, didn't we? And we've just gone through a difficult um, circumstance, not, not again, not in a marriage, but in a, in a church context, in a previous church we were in. And, and well, we've learned a lot of lessons as well. But again, we just felt very, very stretched. It's like, God, I don't really think I know what I'm doing. I don't really know how to do this. I'm just going to have to rely, rely on you. 
and it felt like being thrown in at the deep end, and that's often the family church way, if you know about our culture. <laughs> and that's not necessarily a bad, and, not, and that's not a criticism anyway, obviously. Okay, it's, that's often that's the best way we learn, isn't it? Like, just like thrown at the deep end, right? God, I'm going to have to totally rely on you, right? Because, you know, people who, who've kind of got it all worked out, they sometimes aren't the people that God uses, because God wants people to rely on him, amen? Amen. So, as again, it was another huge stretching. That's again, so for the, kind of for, the third, for the third time, there's a huge stretch of going, into the, kind of going into the unknown, thinking, God, I don't really know what I'm doing in this situation. But it was a huge lesson on, on, on leadership, on, on saying yes, on saying yes to God, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think about these huge lessons, and there could be others that I'd mention. But these lessons I've learned responsibility about faith, about, about, about leadership, saying, saying yes to God, and, and all, those, all those kind of things. Now, none of those lessons I think I would have learned unless I'd gone through these stretching situations. That's the reality. I've just been real with you this morning. It's not all, it's all about my life this morning, okay? But I've just been real about these situations. So when, if you're going through a situation now where you feel stretched, don't, don't despise it. Because maybe God is, well, I would say maybe, no, God is definitely wanting to teach you some stuff. Teach you about relying on him, about, about, about trusting him. God, God, God wants to grow you. God wants to grow your, grow your capacity. You know, that's something that myself and, myself and Wendy have learned a huge amount about capacity. Just about capacity uh, for stuff, capacity for stress. You know, as a pastor, you just, pastors, you have, just, I'm just being really open with you this morning. But as, capacity, as pastors, you have to have incredibly high stress capacity. Incredibly high, I'm serious. Because you know, small things just cannot affect you. Small things affect you, you're going to have huge issues with the big things. So you have to have a very, very, uh, sometimes it may just feel, seem like me and Wendy are very laid back. But actually, it's just, it's just we have a very, very high stress capacity. And it takes a lot, and I mean a serious amount of stuff, for, for a situation to become stressful. Not, and it's not because we're just like such amazing people. It's just because God, God has just grown us in that. And our stress capacity uh, is massively increased. And that can be true for all of us. Okay? It isn't just about pastors. Okay? So what I'm saying is just allow God to grow you. Grow, grow your capacity in him. Grow, grow, your, grow your trust in him. This, this is why stretching is so important. Because it will help you in your future race. And when I look back at all these different things we've been, we've been through, I've seen it was God stretching us for our future. Amen. Our time is, time is going so quick. But we're going to look at a couple of things if we have time. These are not about me now. Okay, but I just want to use those as examples because I thought they just kind of made the point well. Okay, so look at a couple of people being stretched in Scripture. Again, to stretch for their future. One of those, one of those King David. You know, we know, or hopefully you know, King David, he started off as a shepherd. And that was kind of quite a common job then. But it was, it was a very despised job, being a shepherd. It was almost like the lowest I don't really know why, because it seems a bit harsh. <laughs> but at the time, it was almost like, it was like the worst thing you could do. You just hang around with animals. You're kind of on your own. You've kind of got no friends. You sleep under the stars. Um, I, I don't know. But it was kind of really despised. Um, I think that's, you know, it's very key in kind of the birth of Jesus, that Jesus chose, uh, that, that God chose shepherds and wise men. It was like the two extremes of society. You know, shepherds who are highly despised and, and these wise, kind of wise major who are obviously very wealthy. It's like the two that God came for. Everybody, amen. So I think that, that's the significance of that. But shepherds were really, really, really despised. It was like the lowest, uh, lowest of the low. But David was, well, David is legendary, isn't he? And, and all the stuff that God did through his life. And there's a whole lot of stretching that, that went through his, um, that he went, he went through. And as a shepherd, he had to fight off, fight off, fight off wild animals, um, you know, in order to protect the sheep. David, David talks about this. He said he put for the lion and the bear. I know Israel doesn't have lions or bears. Uh, anymore, but it did then, just like we used to have bears, and in, in, doesn't mean we have red, li- red lions here, we used to have bears here, and wolves here, and all those kind of things, they've just been killed to extinction, sadly. But anyway, 
So Israel at that time had lions and bears just, in, in, just living in the wild. So David had to fight them off to protect his sheep, right? The sheep that he was responsible for. But that was a time of preparation and, and stretching. And we see this when, when David and the whole account with David and Goliath, which is 1 Samuel 17, it talks about that. And, and you see what the stretching has done in David, how it's prepared him for this future race that God had to set out for him. It says this, one, this is verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17. David said to Saul, who was king at that time, so David hasn't become king yet. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he probably was only 14 or 15, scholars think. You're only a young man, and, and this guy, he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, this is, this is where it's so key. Can you see what the stretching is, how it's prepared him? David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. His father, Jesse, has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. So this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the port of the lion and the port of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And of course we know what, what happens when David picks stones up and with his sling, um, Goliath, is, Goliath is killed. But you can see how the stretching ha- had, led, had led him to this point. It, it taught him loads about faith. It taught him loads about, about trusting God. David wasn't like just like this massive, <laughs> this massive guy who can kind of rip lions apart. No, it was, it was what God had done in him and given him supernatural strength or whatever God had done it, to be able to take them on and, and supernatural protection. But that taught David so many lessons. So when David came, up to, came to Goliath, this kind of nine-foot uh, nine giant, this, this huge warrior, the Israelites were, all, Israelites were all terrified and running away and just, just panicking. and like, God, again, why have you got us in this situation? But David had a, had, was a, had a totally different spirit. But it's because of the stretching he'd been through. Does that make sense this morning? It's because of that stretching he'd been through. This is what it had done in him. I don't suppose he liked fighting lions and bears. That doesn't sound like fun, right? I don't suppose he enjoyed that process, but it taught him so much about trusting God and about God's protection. If God protects me from that lion and he protected me from that bear, who's this, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? I think he is. That was kind of David's, David's view on it, wasn't it? It's like, who's this guy I think he is? That he can, he can defy the armies of a, living, of a living God. And that's what David actually ends up saying to Goliath, if you read the last account. Like, Who do you think you are? But the stretching had led to David running his best race. Amen? So let's have that same reaction to stretching. Allow God to teach us what he wants to teach. It's not a bad thing. That's be stretching. Because as you stretch, it's like the natural analogy, you'll be able to run a better race, and you're far less likely to get injury, injuries. Now, we don't want people who are spiritually injured either, right? Yeah. Too many people are spiritually injured because they don't allow God to stretch, and they don't allow God to grow them. And they go into situations, if they allow God to do what he wanted to do, then they wouldn't have got, wouldn't have got injured in a spiritual sense. You know, and hurt, and obviously God can heal and restore anything. Of course, He will. But sometimes people go through situations, and the outcome is is because of their own decisions, and not because of, you know, because of what God's done. They just haven't allowed God to do what He wants to do. Right? Here's another example: the stretching of Gideon. I love the whole story of Gideon. And at this time, Israel was being attacked. <laughs> it's kind of like an ongoing, <laughs> ongoing story, wasn't it? The Philistines or the Midianites or the you know some ites that were, that were attacking them. So in this, in this case, um, by this stage, um, Israel has been attacked by the Midianites. In fact, it wasn't just being attacked by the Midianites. It was under the, under the Midianites. They'd completely 
you know, they'd completely uh, taken over uh, Israel and that whole area at that time. And, and God calls Gideon, if you know, know the account, I have got time to look at all that this morning, but you know the account, and Gideon basically has some major self-esteem issues. And uh, <laughs> an angel comes to him and says, Gideon, like, you're the man. Um, and Gideon's like, no, I'm not. So that's a good response to God, isn't it? <laughs> you're the man. No, I'm not. Oh, oh okay. But, but that's basically Gideon's response. He's like, I'm from the lowest clan. I'm from a rubbish family. I'm from a rubbish clan, a rubbish family, and a rubbish tribe. It's basically, I'm paraphrasing it. <laughs> it doesn't literally say it. Okay. But that's basically the gist of what he says. It's like, God, I think you've got, you got the wrong guy. Or speaks to the angel. I think you've got the wrong guy here. But, but it's who God is choosing. But there's a whole lot of stretching that goes on. And so I just want to read, read the account. And the Midianites end up being defeated. But there's a whole lot of stretching that goes on before that. This is Judges 7, verse 1 to 12. It says this. It, early in the morning, Jeroboam, or Gideon, and all his men, they camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Gideon was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel will boast against me my own strength to save me. Now, if you were Gideon in this situation, you'd ask to lead his army. How would you feel when God says that? Do you know, do you know what? Your army's actually too big. <laughs> it's, it's too big. You, you've got too many, too many men, Gideon. I think this is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be too easy. God, give the Midianites a fair chance. I mean, what sort of stuff is going through Gideon's head? Like, God, what, what, are, what are you saying, God? But this is the reality he said, because, and this is the big stretching bit. You have too many men. I can't deliver the Midian into their hands, or Israel will boast against my own strength to save me. So this had to be a lesson for Gideon. That it wasn't about his strength. It wasn't about his ability. It was about what God was going to do in this situation. And you see this then stretching happens. Now, now, so... God saying to Gideon, now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave, leave Mount Gilead. So 20, this is a real issue, isn't it, in the army. So 22,000 men who were full of fear, that's, that's helpful, isn't it? 22,000 men left and, and 10,000 remained. So it's like, it's like over two-thirds of them. That's crazy. But the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. In fact, what's going through Gideon's head? I was like, I've literally lost over two-thirds, 22,000 men. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one should go with you, you should go. But if I say this one should not go, he should not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. Then the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The whole context is not, it's not just about how people drink. Okay? It's about how ready, uh, battle-ready they'd be. Okay? The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. So it's now down to 300. He started with, 30, with 32,000. It says that there were 10,000 left, 22,000 gone. So he started with 32,000. You think the entire British army is about 80,000, I think, plus possible reserves, but about 80,000 full-timers. Okay, so he started with, a, started with a lot of men, okay? But he's now down, literally down to 300. Absolutely, absolutely uh, tiny. Started with 30,000. Down, down to 300. But it was a lesson for Gideon in this because it was never about the number of people. This was, this was the stretch that was going on in Gideon. It was never about the number of people. It's about well, God, God teaching him and, and the rest of the Israelites a big lesson here. So verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands that all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay, lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm giving it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant pure and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. I'll kind of 
uh, stop there, but you can read the whole rest of the account and what, what happens and God brings, supernaturally brings confusion into the Midianites, they all start killing each other, it's all a bit crazy, because um, they all get confused, they all start getting panicking and killing each other and the Israelites don't even have to do that much other than blow some trumpets and break some jars, <laughs> because remember, it was, but it was never about them, because it's not about the number of people, right, that's, that's the whole big lesson in it, that was a huge stretching in Gideon, he had huge self-esteem issues, thought he was from a rubbish family, a rubbish clan, a rubbish tribe, and, and then but then probably thought, well, actually with 32,000 guys, maybe I can do it. And then God whittled that down to 300. So <laughs> you know, that doesn't teach you about, it's not about you, Gideon. I don't know what would. It's not about your self-esteem issues. It's about you who I'm, who I'm calling. The calling upon your life is when he's been talking about the last two weeks. And it's not even about the number of people. It's about what I'm going to supernaturally do here. And I'm going to supernaturally deliver you from the hands of the Midianites. Amen. So I think I'm just going to stop there because time's, time's going. I said this is a two-parter anyway because time's gone quick and we had an extended time of worship. So I'm just going to kind of stop there. But from these two stories, I'm going to talk about the stretching of Jesus and we'll talk about that more about next week, the way how Jesus was, Jesus was constantly... There's no one has been more stretched than Jesus. Through situation after situation after situation after situation, I've been constantly stretched and doing things in a natural you probably wouldn't want to do. You know, I think it's a big lesson in, in the Christian life. And sometimes <laughs> we have the, this is an ongoing joke with my own, I don't mind pointing out they aren't there. Pointing to my kids, there's Elisa, Jack's gone somewhere. <laughs> they vanished. <laughs> and Jack's sawing out hospitality, I think. Anyway, he's gone. Anyway, but it's an ongoing joke with my kids when they say they don't want to do something. It's like, well, the Christian life is, is full of things, of, of doing things you don't really necessarily really want to do. And I want to learn that. I'm serious. And this, this is why we have to be submitted to the Spirit. Because in the, in the natural, there's a whole load of things that God asks you to do, you will not want to do. And, but this is, again, where stretching is key. And, and, and in the natural, there's a whole load of things that you will want to do that God doesn't want you to do as well. That's also true. The opposite is also true. I've known that, right? There's a whole load of temptation, not temptation itself isn't a sin, but the... Uh, uh, Kind of in our naturalness, if that's a word. Um, and I know we don't have our old nature, you know, we, our old sinful nature's gone. Of course, that's true. But we still have a propensity sometimes, you know, to give in to temptations. So it's also full of, Christian life is full of doing things you don't necessarily naturally want to do. And it's also full of not doing things that you do naturally want to do. Does that make sense? So Paul, actually, Paul actually talks about this and becomes a bit of a tongue twister. He talks about, well, why do I always do what I don't want to do? And I do, you know, I do what I shouldn't be doing. Um, and we haven't got time to look at the scripture on that. But, but that's reality. So it's kind of an on joke with our kids. And it's like, well, the Christian life is full of doing things you don't want to do. <laughs> you know, if you're going to stop at that point, God is not going to be able to use you, right? And I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. You, you've got to get beyond that. Our, our, natural, will and, our, our natural will and emotions, are, are, yeah, who we are physically, our, our body and, and, our, and our, uh, our soul. That's what I was looking for. Our soul, our, our mind, will and emotions, because they're, they're not saved. Right? Everyone know this. It's a spirit that gets saved. We're a brand new creation and we're made new. But the ongoing sanctification, especially of our, of our, of our mind, our will and emotions, that's, that's an ongoing process. Right? And it doesn't just, just, just suddenly magically, we're, to- we're totally different in our mind, our will and emotions. And the whole key to that is, is just allowing yourself to be submitted to God. And Jesus was, was, a, was a master at that. I'm sure there are some things he didn't actually want to do. In fact, it's obvious that the guy that gets semi, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, right? Let's be real about stuff. Let's not pretend that that didn't happen. Na- naturally, Jesus was saying, if, if, it's, if it's any other way, Father, of this happening, please can you do that instead? That's what he was saying, right? Because in, in his mind, his will and emotions, who wants to go through that? What, what it was going to cost physically, what it was going to be emotionally, that everyone was going to leave him, his own mum was going to have to watch him kind of naked on a cross, being humiliated. Who, who wants to go through that? Nobody, right? 
So Jesus, in, in, in his humanity, because remember, he's fully, obviously fully human and fully God. God's perfect human and, and, and yeah, human's perfect, or man's perfect God and God's perfect man, I've heard him described, which is, I think, a great description. In his, in his humanity, he didn't necessarily want to do that. And there must have been a whole lot of times where, where Jesus must have got frustrated and his disciples would let him down and there's probably things he didn't necessarily want to do and the people were always badgering him and he'd try and get off by himself to pray and then people would come and say, Jesus, I want you to heal us. And, and, and it's, Jesus would always move with compassion, it says. But there must have been times where in his natural, in his uh, nature, human nature, that's the word, in his human nature, he didn't necessarily want to do that, right? But he was always smith, fully submitted to his father. And there's so many lessons for us in that. So we're talking about more next week how Jesus was stretched over and over and over again. But because Jesus was stretched and allowed himself to be stretched over and over again, that's why he could run his best race. Amen. And we talk about that on Easter Sunday about how Jesus ran his best race for us, of course, through his death and death, death and resurrection. Amen. But we can learn so much from being stretched. So if you're going through a situation where you're being stretched right now, don't despise it. Because there's a whole load of stuff that God wants to teach you about trusting him, responsibility. It can be leadership. It can be, it can be faith. It can be a whole load of different things. But ask God, God, what are you trying to teach me through this situation? What, what do you want me to know? Lord, I want to have a great, great revelation of who you are. I want to know you more. I want to know you deeper. Have that conversation with God. Amen? Because it may not always feel fun at the time, and usually it doesn't, but it's always stretching. It's always a good thing because it's preparing you for your future and running your best race. Amen? Stretching God is key to you running that best race for him, your best lap, maintaining maximum spiritual fitness and avoiding spiritual injuries amen there's how much more we can say about that we'll come back to that next week let's all just stand this morning thank you god thank you god god is so good such a great god lord let's pray lord for everyone lord that's here this morning lord god lord we pray lord for lord anyone who's going through a stretching experience right now lord god that they will just lord know your presence with them they will know your hand upon them Lord, they will know your blessing, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you just teach them what you want to teach them, Lord Jesus. Lord, we know, Lord, as we've studied from Scripture and different examples of stretching is not a bad thing. Lord, we saw, we see, saw what you, you did in King David. Lord, we saw what you did in Gideon. Lord, those examples I've talked about from my own life. Lord, the stretching is not a bad thing. It doesn't feel fun. It can, it can be painful. It can be difficult. We can try and do everything to try and get out of the situation. Lord God, but it's those situations, Lord, where you can teach us stuff about you. And I pray that stuff that, Lord, people are going through stretchy situations now, or maybe they have done recently or in their past, Lord, I pray they won't despise them. Lord, that you will just teach them through that. Lord, teach them how, how to trust you. Teach them how to take responsibility in you. Lord, the power of saying yes to you. Lord, the, the, the power of just operating in faith and, and trusting you in each and every circumstance, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Just teach us, Lord, what you want to teach us. Lord, and we know that all those things are leading to this point, Lord, where we are, Lord, to run our best race, Lord, both, both now, Lord, and in the future. Lord, Lord, stretch us. We don't want to be spiritually injured. Lord, we don't want to be spiritually unfit. Lord God, so just stretch us. We just say, just do what you want to do, Lord God. Lord, maybe say yes to you in, in ways that maybe we haven't said yes in the past. Maybe we be fully submitted, Lord, to your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. You're so, so God. Just use everyone here, Lord, for your purposes and your glory. I just want to pray just a second prayer. Just give an opportunity for if anyone here this morning doesn't yet know God or maybe you've just gone off track. Talking about a race, maybe you've kind of like just gone off track, gone on a different track. And Jesus talked about that, about the, the narrow road that leads to life and the, the wide road that leads to destruction. And maybe you need to get back on that, on that narrow road and just get back focused on who God is. Or maybe you've never accepted God into your life. 
And you can do that this morning. You can know what it is to know God as, as, as your Savior, to know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, um, for him to come into your life and to, to give you every spiritual blessing in Christ, is what the Scripture says. He wants to give you his love and his peace, his grace, his mercy, his favor, and all those things he desires to, to pour into your life. And all you've got to say is, that's what I want. Jesus, I want you in my life. So that's, all, that's you this morning, pray that, and that's what let's pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love for me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me, for taking the punishment for my sin, for all those things I've ever done wrong. I ask you now into my life. I ask you to make me new, to forgive my sin. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. My all heads are bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, if you never ever prayed a prayer like that before, or you're just getting things back on track, getting back on the right track where God wants you to be, why don't you just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me this morning, because I'd love just to chat with you and pray, pray with you. Don't miss your opportunity. Is there anyone this morning? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're so amazing. You're an amazing, amazing God. Lord, may we be your people, Lord, that run our best race for you. Lord, and we say, Lord, stretch us. Lord, we know that could be tricky, and it could mean to do some things that we don't in, a, in our human nature we don't necessarily want to do, Lord, but we want to be obedient to you, to answer, answer God's call, as Wendy's been talking about, Lord Jesus, to answer that call for our lives, Lord God. Stretch us. Use us for your purposes, Lord God. Lord, may we never shrink back. May we step into all that you desire for us. Lord, may a stretching leads to us running our best race for you. It's a time of preparation. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Amen.